As a sample maker, you do a sample, then you send it off, and then he does the drums. What do you feel the split should be? Um, who placed it? What y'all think the biggest advance is? I, my biggest was... Another red flag, I think, is when he only calls you about business. Fuck him. Out of key 808 is um, laziness and um, not having the skill. Damn, you better have sample makers in the comments like, bro, you don't turn on us, bro. It's very unique in the producer community right now to be real. Everybody is trying to be somebody. College being a thousand on hey, the The comments, the comment section is going to be go, going crazy. Like, Who y'all talk about? So we just dropped the new Community Placement Pack Volume 3. A couple months ago, we sent out a submission link to all the producers in our community to submit loops. We wanted to give a pack to the community for free that was made by a whole bunch of just underrated sample makers. We wanted to give 30 of our best underrated sample makers just an opportunity to show their samples and show their brand. So we put together the best of the best out of the submissions. There was 100 submissions. These loops are crazy fire. We're also sending this out to other industry producers too. So make sure you check out this Community Placement Pack Volume 3. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. It's your boy TB Digital. We got Who Is J Beats. And we got a special guest. I think this is his second time on here. Came all the way from Europe. 808 Mafia, legendary sample maker, legendary producer. We got Palace. What's up, bro? What's up? <laughs> Thank yeah. you for the legendary. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so how you been, bro? How you been, bro? You saw it's crazy. It became crazy over the past last two years since we met last time. So... I'm excited to be here again because of COVID. I could never pull up to the US, you know? So it's like the border, I think the travel ban restriction, I think six months ago or something, they withheld it. And since then I could pull up, but we planned the trip, you know? It was like a lot of time planning. And yeah, man, finally here eating Philly cheesesteaks, <laughs> having nice food and stuff. So I'm happy to be here. America got better food, bro. Oh my God, bro. Don't, Remember you say we got the oh best food? Oh my god, bro. You like that fat shit? You like all that? Bro, it, it depends, you know? I can eat that shit for a week and then I'm done, you know? But now I'm straight. I want to eat like burgers every day, you know? But after a week, like, you know, like, it's too much, you know? The fat is too much. Everything's too much. Gross and shit. But like, the first week you can eat it every day, yeah. I basically eat it now every day. I'm, it's my first day here. So I'm still fine with Chick-fil-A and Shake Shack and everything. In and out trash though. <laughs> when you come to the US, you only been in LA. Yeah, only LA. I come to Atlanta. Yeah, wings. Yeah, you gotta Finger come ligging. to the south, bro. I'm saying LA food trash, bro. I'm sorry. You think so, really? Yeah, LA food Atlanta, trash bro? compared to Why? the south. What? What's better? What's better? Wings. I mean, we, soul food. You feel me? We don't come get vegan. I never food, had that you know? in my life. What soul food? Yeah, I never had it. I I told Gumbo, I'm like search for a nice soul food place because I want to eat it. And you this bomb been? over there, <laughs> did, did, you didn't search one. You, you got one? All right. <laughs> you didn't have time yet. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Very busy schedule. And, but yeah, American food's crazy. Oh, yeah, Jamaican food. Jerk chicken? You never had it? Never. Never had jerk? Never jerk chicken. No oxtail, no, no, no lemon pepper wings? I swear I had it never. Damn. Never? Okay. You got yeah, to Atlanta, to. I need to come over. I need to come over. Okay. For sure, for sure. 100%. Yeah, yeah. So what was COVID like over there? The, the beginning was crazy because nobody really knew what was going on. So I bought a Valve Index. That's like a, a virtual reality had a thing. Played every game, had fun, you know. We got a dog in that time. So I was out with him. The, the thing was in Germany, it was like uh, you couldn't go out. Like it was a complete curfew. 
at the, at the beginning, but if you had a dog, you could go out. And my dog passed away three years before the COVID happened. And I was like, all right, it's time for a new one. So I gifted my parents a dog and it was cool because the family was so close together every day and went out with the dog and stuff. But I was shook, bro. When I first, when I first heard like COVID and shit, uh, bro, I was shook, bro. I'm like, yo, what the fuck? The world is gonna end. <laughs> or some, or, or some, some world yes, ending I shit. Was, bro. I know, right? I was, was kind of like that, you know what I'm saying? Like, nah, I really, bro, I was really that guy that went to the store and bought like, oh my God, like 20 packs of water and shit. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here, you know? Did you think that, did it make you work harder? Like, were you feeling like you had to just like... It, it made me, it made me lazier in the beginning. Because I okay. thought, all right, let's take, let's take two months, three months of chilling and then I'm going to go full in and if everything ha opens again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because first I thought it's going to be like just two months or three months. And, and in the first months I was like, oh, let's play video games, let's chill more with the family. And then later on I'm going to do more beats and samples and stuff. And it turned out to make me just lazier. And after two or three months I realized, okay, it's not going to end that fast. I'm like, all right, let's go in it crazy, you know, at making beats and samples again. So what, like, did you, like, come up with any, like, business ideas? Or what did you do to, like, financial-wise? Because I know with COVID, bro, I came up with so many ways. Like, I need to make some money, man. What did you do? Oh, yeah. I, I came up, I think I was very strong before in uh, selling sample packs and drum kits and loops and everything. So I always had the source of income. And it just grew bigger over the time in COVID because everybody was at home um making beats and samples so it's crazy because in in co when covid happened my sci-fi store exploded like double tripled up and so i didn't really make like business plans in that way it was more about like i wanted to do my workshops and i was like all right nobody can meet up let's do online workshops but then it's like somebody gonna maybe screen record it put it somewhere or sell it even on websites so i was a little bit scared of doing that so I was like, fuck it, let's make beat samples and just continue making the self-fi store. And this was the only thing I really did. So what type of packs you was putting out? I know you put out like some MIDI packs. What other packs you was putting on the store? I, I was putting up at one point uh, at the time in, uh, on Corona, on when COVID was, um, self-fi sent me an email and they told me that I'm right now the number one music seller in the music category, the number one seller. I think before it was OZ with his drum kits back then. And it was crazy for me because I didn't even realize it because I didn't check the money because I never needed to move it somewhere, you know. I never, like, made big purchases or something during Corona. I think that the most expensive thing was the Valve Index virtual reality phones, you know. So I didn't even really check it and, and it just exploded with the sample MIDI packs and then I got on the whole Splice thing, you know. And Splice was also very great because... I made my own pack on Spice and I made the collab pack with Southside. And the thing was, both of those packs generated way more than over 1 million downloads and we got awarded the most downloaded loop, the most downloaded pack, and I forgot another award. So we had three awards on the Spice award list of 2020. And I was proud of that because I didn't know that so many people like really fuck with that sound that much. But like this really showed me like 1 million downloads, it's like a lot. And it was way more over 1 million downloads on both of them. So what made you think, like what, what makes you like, uh, you, why do you think your pack stands out? <laughs> That's a great question because I, I still to this day don't really know it. 
Maybe I think it's the influence we have over there in Europe, you know, when we grow up. I think it's different. The, the, the capital of hip-hop is always going to be America. So, But you guys probably heard any, everything, you know, already. So we growing up with like different music, like trance and EDM and stuff. And so when we come into music producing, we have a different background. And we, I think many European producers don't look what, what, what there is hot right now. Like don't know, look at the wave. They just do it. And because they have all those other influences that you guys might didn't grow up with, it sounds different and refreshing because everything, you know, it's like, if you wake up, make beats every day, it's like you, you get stuck somewhere, you know, with the same sound. And then if you got a guy over there in Finland or Germany or like Poland or some shit, it's different if you hear it, you know, if he doesn't follow like the wave right now. So I think that's very inspiring for a lot of producers, especially in the hip hop community, because when it comes to EDM, that shit was made in Europe, you know. So for us, European making like, I think, dance songs is like, it's, it's like, you know, when you guys make dance music, you're probably going to make better dance music than we make because we grew up with it and we heard all the sounds already. So it's not that refreshing. But for you guys, it's like something new, probably, you know, a new wave. Let's say you just grew up listening to Tupac, Biggie and stuff. And that someday you're going to start making dance songs. I think it's going to be crazy because you come from a different influence, different bounces and stuff. So I think this is the way, you know, why it sounds so different. We just grew up with different music. And yeah. That's why I think they really like all the splice packs and sulfide packs. So I know you like, you keep your sound updated. Like you're talking about like what's going on right now. So what's some ways that you can like look at the industry and know like this is the sound I'm creating that's present instead of like being in a box of creating like last season sound? Oh, I actually, the thing is how I do it. I actually never really look what is popping right now. The whole uh, wave right now with the rage beats and stuff. I really didn't give a fuck about it. I never made a rage beat. I never made the rage loop. I don't care because I don't. I don't like it. It sounds like cheap ass EDM. It's like <laughs> it's like a five year old five year old downloaded FL Studio and wanted to do like dance music. This is how rage beats sound to me. Like low, cheap ass quality. It's like I don't. I don't like it. My especially. I, I'm honest with it. I'm. I really don't like it. It just sounds cheap. So you're the wave creator. You just create your wave and let them follow. I, I just I just do whatever I come up with, you know. It's not really like the, especially with with those years financially. I don't need to look that I'm gonna sell a placement. That's why I'm I'm not chasing placements anymore because it doesn't really make sense financially. I found so many ways that make way way more sense. Mm -hmm. So yeah, someday like Migos gonna happen. Like in the next in the next time, Migos gonna happen again. Kodak Black gonna happen, and Chris Brown gonna happen. But like. I didn't chase that. I just sent it out stuff that I had, you know, because I think I found in the, in, the, in the last years, I found better incomes than just placements and placements and placements. I'm glad you're talking about that, bro. Cause we had a conversation every day. I was talking to Alec about that joint and it's like, placement bag is good, bro. You feel me? But I feel like COVID taught a lot of producers how to build your own, like producer brand, your own brand. It's a lot of income off of that, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like kits, membership, workshops, like, bro, it's just so much money that yeah. go into it, bro. I feel like just like, for producers to hear someone like you or another person, like I tell producers all the time, bro, how, why you don't go on YouTube or start tutorials or start vlogs or do some kits or, you know what I'm saying? Get, get, get with a studio, do like do a workshop or something like, bro, it's just like brand wise. Like, I don't know, to me, it's more than just placements. Like placements is still good and fire. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to shit on placements. I'm just saying though, like having a producer brand in the long run 
Like, there's a lot of industry guys who dropped the kit and then they went straight internet with it. Literally. They yeah, met, yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally. You know what I'm saying? That's the beauty of the internet, you know? Can you give, like, some a few little gems? Like, just give a few different ways producers can make money besides chasing bigger rappers and stuff. Yeah, so I think one of the best ways to do it currently is, like, not only... Because most of the producers go on Genius and look who made the albums and stuff. And they should instead go on IMDb Pro. And it's like the film of Genius. And look who's making movies, who's making sound scores. Maybe help out there. Or maybe go into credits of video games, you know, video game companies. Hit up those people. You know, it's not even... Don't look for the rapper placements. Look for like the... All the commercial stuff placement. Video games, movies, shows and stuff. This is like crazy bags that you can get there. Also, um, I mean, that's, that's, that's a wave that I, I got from OZ because before, I think it was 2017 or 18, OZ back then did like workshops. And I went to the first workshop from OZ and uh, it was very inspiring, but he got bigger and he, I, I don't know, he, he didn't do it anymore, the workshop. So I was like, those kids, those kids need somebody who really showed them their way, you know? So I started doing with my manager like those workshop things and it turned out to be a great source of income and super fun and all the kids are grateful. Everybody's happy and stuff. And we just doing three workshops and it's like over 100,000 every time. I ain't gonna lie, I heard the workshops over there lit. Like, I yeah, got they, a Patreon member that said he they, went to your workshop. They yeah. selling out in, like in under a week every time and we already made like eight or nine. When I come back from LA, I have three more workshops. Uh, I think it's in Frankfurt and Vienna. And I don't know. I forgot the last date. Bro, we got to slide out there, bro. Yeah, we got to do one for sure. You know Nick Dean? You, yeah, yeah, for sure. Nick, Nick Dean is going to come uh, to my workshop. He's going to be a guest on the Vienna one. We just did an interview with him. He dropped some gems, bro. Yeah, this guy is crazy. What exactly are they learning? Like, just give us a few. So, so what, what I have is like, it's me, Gumboy, an audio engineer, and then we have a business uh, part. So you're gonna have the whole thing. You're gonna have me showing you how I make samples and stuff. We have Gumboy for the music theory and stuff. Then we have a German, one of the Germany's best audio engineers. His uh, name is Menu. He's showing all the engineering stuff, recording shit. And then we have the business and lawyer shit. So they're gonna go come there and gonna have everything. And this is like, this is not something uh, it was at the start this is something where i developed to get there because i saw okay some people have super crazy musical theory question that i don't even know so i can need somebody for music theory then we have somebody wanted like engineering stuff gems for engineering and i'm like ah oh, fuck i need to get the best engineer and this is how i build it up and now if you come to a workshop it's like you're gonna have everything in like in in nine hours it's like eight to nine hours and I'm proud of that. It's really cool. All the kids are super grateful and all the people that attended. I'm always saying kids, but like, because most of them are like between 16 and like 18. Uh, but we had guests that were 42, 50 years old. And it's super cool. The variety of people and everything is so grateful. And you know that feeling if you have like, I mean, it's crazy to have like 60 people in, in one place that all make music or make the same shit. That's cool, man. Yeah, yeah. You can talk about everything, you know. And most of them, what I really like is they they opening WhatsApp groups. You guys know what WhatsApp, WhatsApp. is? Yeah, yeah. They opening like groups after that and they're just talking every day, you know, sending stuff out to each other. And I'm so proud of that, man. That's cool networking, you know. You're not going to do one in the U.S.? I, we are planning to do one in the U.S., but it's, 
what I'm doing right now is very stressful on the time. So me and my manager didn't plan it yet. And all the places in Germany are so close that I can just go come, uh, wake up in the morning, go there with a car, do the workshop and come back with the car and go to sleep, you know? So in America, it needs to, it's need, it needs to have more time and also more planning and stuff. So I would definitely do it. I would definitely do it, but I don't know when, maybe in half a year or something, something like this. I don't go crazy. I ain't even gonna lie. You all invited. I, if, what is cool is that we can do like giveaways, you know, then sending out some giveaways, tickets and stuff for sure. I'm going to do that for producer grind. I appreciate it, man. So, I mean, I've seen like you talked about uh, managers. So I know on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's run into just, it. Let's just, get into uh, it. Let's get into I, I, it. Let's I, I, I need to light up the cigarettes for that. <laughs> <laughs> so you got a new manager now? Yeah. yeah. Who was that? I'm with Corey. Corey Littman. Yeah, this game. We just saw each other two days ago for the first time. Super cool guy. I mean, like, it's crazy how, like, happy and, like, everybody's smiling in America. It's a little bit different in Germany because everybody is, like, so in the system, you know. They don't smile. They just work, 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 you know. And it's the culture over here is different. So everybody's saving, happy, nice smile and stuff. And I... I really love that shit. I really love that shit. But Corey is my man. Like Corey, because of, all right. So the story of Brock is, I was, I was seeing that uh, I didn't got, the payments from Brock were so small that I, I was always like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, and he's always saying me like, yeah, it's going to come one day. And yeah, Splice only paid this and that. And I'm like, all right, fuck this guy. So I called Adam and uh, my lawyer, Adam, and I told him, this and this is happening and I think he's scamming and he's like all right then you don't have any contracts with him you know it was just a handshake contract between me and Southside so that was really good that I'd had that and I was one day I was like all right that's enough fuck him I called him I told him all right bro I'm I'm out you know I don't want to deal with you anymore and I want to switch up the management and before it happened Adam already talked with Corey so Corey was super interested in managing me so after I had the call with Brock, he was furious on the phone. He went crazy. I'm like, fuck this guy. Really fuck him. Fuck Brock. And I hang up on him, signed paperwork with Corey. He made me a crazy deal. And I'm like, all right. And then uh, Corey needed to clean up a lot of shit because most of the publishing stuff wasn't um, really registered. And because I really didn't got any money from Spotify in all, of the, all those years. So... Corey cleaned it all up, you know? And Corey saw one mistake after the order. Like, he said, oh, where's the advance for this? I'm like, what? I didn't got it, you know, because I checked it with my uh, tax guy. So we checked up everything. We checked up the splice payment, advances and stuff. And we figured out there was like 150,000 missing. So, um, we, yeah, because Corey got the papers from splice and we made like quarter million on every pack. So, um we try so i called adam and told him yeah this money is missing here and that and he's like yo you need to call Southside and, and just tell him that he's stealing you know maybe he's stealing from him too you never know what payments he gave Southside. all right so i texted marshmallow because the uh, marshmallow's number was the only one that was working i didn't have chalices and Southside. <laughs> man fucking Southside switching it every <laughs> every month you know so it's very hard to get like uh, Southside's iMessage and sometimes on IG I text him like yo give me your number and he texts me his older one always forgets it you know 
Yeah, I mean, like, everybody wants his number, you know, so it's hard to catch him on iMessage. I called Marshmallow and told him, yo, I need the number from Shalizi ASAP. I found some shady shit in the papers. And he said, all right, uh, here's the number. Shalizi called me. And he was on, I think he was on a private jet on that second I called him. I think he went to a show to Vegas or some shit. And he's, and I told him, like, yo, listen, so um, Corey went through the paperwork from Splice, and I just wanted to ask you, how much did you get from Brock for the Splice thing? She started laughing. He said, Splice thing? I think we never got a payment. And I'm like, all right, because we did half a million dollars, you know, where's the money, you know? And then, like, he went crazy, you know? <laughs> he didn't even know, like, because Brock registered those Splice packs just under his name, like the Brock Luca LLC company. So nobody had really access to the numbers. I didn't have like any access. I didn't know when the schedule was of like payments and stuff. Then Shalizi called me again with Southside and I explained to Southside, yo, Southside, he probably gonna is scamming you crazy. We figured it out. Then um, we talked about all the shit and we went to the lawyers because also Brock was threatening a lot of people like getting them killed and stuff. Like this guy is mentally insane, like on some real shit. And uh, I talked to Southside. Uh, Southside tried to call Brock or, and Brock just tried to explain, ex you know, get out of the situation. But then he saw that it's impossible, you know, <laughs> to talk out of the situation. And now he's missing. Like he deleted his IG, Twitter. We got an allegation lawyer currently that is working on the papers to get him sued, get him in court because uh, I don't even really want the money. I could, I don't, I don't even care about the money, but I want this guy locked up for all the stuff he stole, you know. So we're talking to very, very good lawyers to make it happen. And this guy went missing. So he's not in LA. He's not on Twitter anymore, not on IG. Basically deleted everything, got a new number, and now he's missing, you know. But that's tough, bro. I don't even know. I ain't gonna lie, bro. He he went. He tried to sugar night him. I don't know, bro. <laughs> sugar night him. So let me ask you this: like, do you do you think you put like too much trust? Like you, you got a manager and then you just like handle everything. Nah, I was blinded. Like, uh, let's take the 2019 interview for example. When I pulled up, this was the first time in America, and I had minus five hundred dollars on the bank account. You remember the cross chain that I had? Um, I was ashamed of myself because, you know, I was invited to LA, you know, from Southside and stuff. And I didn't have any money to, to this day, you know. So I got on um, on uh, on the IG ads and bought a fake chain. So I at least look at something, you know, at least look like the other people around because I was ashamed because I just pulled up and just started making music. I was bombing before, you know, didn't have any jobs, got kicked out of jobs and schools. So I tried to like, somehow appear a little bit better you know got like aliexpress palm angels track suits and stuff I'm so really you know nice. i was faking my life through it you know so that was a funny time and uh what was the question again i was so distracted like what was the question again uh did you put too much trust in the oh yeah, yeah so yeah so i was blinded easily because i was in a good music studios with like offset and all that shit and it was crazy and yeah for sure i put a lot of trust in this guy you know a little bit but it's it's more about i was young and blinded you know so right now my circle is very small i have the best people working for me and uh this was in 2019 it wasn't like this i just started out making music and somehow self-side signed me and stuff 
And nowadays I just got wiser with it, you know, with the industry and stuff. I thought everybody, you know, I, I, yeah, I knew that Brock's got somehow going to make money out of me. And, but I knew, I was like, all right, he gave me this opportunity. I'm with Offsets. I was Juice World, you know, I was with everybody in the studio. So I really got blinded by him and I put too much trust in him. And I could, I could never pull up to LA to really see his face again, you know, because of COVID. So it was all about like an internet and FaceTime relationship kind of thing, you know. What are the main things that you need to be, that you need to be watching for as a producer? Like what are the red flags? All right, uh, a red flag is always <laughs> when your manager is telling they didn't pay it yet and like in the next week it's going to get paid. Even though it's true, for me, it's like a red flag because Brock, that was the main sentence from Brock. Number two is like, yo, if, if you ever go come out, I'm going to close all the doors for you. You know, you will never like place a beat again. If they treat you like this and they tell you like shit, some crazy shit like this run, you know, he will not do shit. This guy is crazy if he tells you like this. Nobody's going to close doors for you. If, if you have good music, good music will always survive, you know. If you're like, uh, it's like, if if it's different and it's like unique, you will always survive, you know. No matter how who wants to close doors for you, like that's impossible. After you have like you sound established. Another red flag I think is when he only calls you about business. I think that that's a red flag when he only calls you like yo, so hey, yo, palace. I got like this vice deal. Can you do it? And like beep beep beep, you know. Never ask you, hey, how you doing, man? Uh, what you're up to, you know, this, this is a, like a, a behavior that the manager should be. This is what Corey treated me in the first second. He called me on some random shit and I, I, I wasn't, I was surprised, you know, because I only know how Brock worked and Corey was different. He called me like, yeah, what's good? You know, I'm like, yeah, what's going on? What do I need to do? You know? And he's like, nah, bro, I just wanted to talk for a second, you know? And I'm like, oh guy, okay, this guy is cool. But this is also a red flag. If he just calls you about like business stuff and like immediately hangs off, you know? Um, let me think of another red flag. Another red flag is, let's say, for example, you're signed to Southside, okay? You're signed to Southside, but you never see Southside on a FaceTime call or something, but because Brock is handling it. And that's because, like, probably he, the manager probably doesn't want me to see Southside so we can talk about, like, Spice, for example, you know? We could talk it way earlier, but we never really had the contact because Brock has always said like, yo, Southside is on drugs, so he can't take the call right now. Oh, Southside will call you tomorrow. You know, always try to, they, and the crazy thing was he told Southside, yo, Palace doesn't, he thinks he's bigger than you. He doesn't want to send you samples anymore. So he always tried that we never talk to each other. You know what I mean? And that's crazy. That's really crazy. That's very crazy. That's like, it's like a movie, man. You know, you can write a movie about that. It is like Shug Knight, man. <laughs> so when you get paperwork done, is your lawyer there? Like making sure that every piece of business gets uh, done correctly? Like from that point on? What I will do is also if you, um, if you got a new manager for the first three deals, even though, let's say your manager got a lawyer, you know, an in-house lawyer that he always calls to. I would say for the first three deals, Send the, send the paperwork to the lawyer from the manager, but also get in behind another one, a personal one, to check the first three contracts to see if the first ones are right. You know, that's like a double checkup. And uh, if you find something shady, if the, your personal lawyer finds something shady, cut it off, try to get out of somewhere, you know? Do you think, like, 
you should speak up at certain points, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was afraid to, you know, because I really believe the stories of like getting the doors closed. So, but what is like a, like a, I'm talking about you're fresh in the industry. Like, you know how it's different levels and stuff. So, let's say you're at the bottom of the fruit chain and it's just like, it's something on that contract that's bugging you. Like, should you speak up or like, yeah, yeah. Um, there's like, sometimes there's a point of no return, you know, let's say for a song, if they already shoot a music video, you can tell them whatever you, the fuck you want. Let's say they want to give you $500, but it's a bigger artist and you don't know the music video is shot to. You can tell them 50000 They can't go back because they already shoot the music video. You know what I mean? Like, if they lowball you, always look like, did they promote it already? Did they, like, put down a trailer? You know, you need to be a little bit strategic about it because if they really did all of the shit and they lowball you for $500 for a beat, you can even if it's Drake, you can tell him, no, bro, I'm not going to do it. Give me like 10K for it. Because they can, can't go back. They already recorded the music video for like 50,000 or 60,000 or 100,000. So they will give it to you. Especially when you're a small producer, just ask. You know what I mean? If they send you a contract and they, it says 1,000, just say you want 5,000. You know, they're going to say, yo, you're crazy, bro. I can never give you 5,000, but like, let's do Two and a half thousand. And you're already out with two and a half thousand. The thing is, some people think, you know, it's there's business and there's friendship, you know? The friendship with the artist will never get hurt if you if you if you try to get like five thousand something because he will never know that you even asked for it because there's a team that is working behind the scenes, lawyer and manager, who's doing all this shit. They will never go come to him and tell him, hey, he wanted five thousand. No, this is all financial and shit. They will never speak to this. And I saw it in real life also. Nobody's gonna go to their artist and say, yo, this producer wanted 5,000. They have other things to do. They're in a the studio, they're meeting up, they're on the private jets, you know what I mean? Nobody will come and say, yo, there's this producer from Germany, Palace, he wanted 5,000 for, uh, for the beat. Nobody will ask, nobody will tell them. So just ask, man, be straight up, just say, just triple the number, quarter the number, you know, just like say, if they say 500, say three, 4,000, you know? They just can only say no, you know? So were you saying like you have to you have to fit into the budget before the video is being shot and everything? No, no, no. I'm just saying um, I had I had some examples where I made a song and I knew the music video was already shot because sometimes you get insider information or maybe they post trailers or like while they're filming it. And when you see this, you can really go crazy with like the advance, you know? Mm. You can really tell them like, nah, bro, I want 10K and they're going to pay it. Or go send back a music video, 50k me. And it, it's, it's not going <laughs> to hurt the relationships because management and lawyers busy doing this stuff and the artist is doing the artist stuff, going to studio recording. So, you know what I mean? It will not hurt relationships. Only if you tell some bullshit like a million dollars, you know what I mean? So that social media shit when people like go at each other like, yo, he's stealing from me, all that, that stuff, that's what, that's what breaks the relationship instead of it just being like business conversations. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, you're completely right. Yeah, okay. But what y'all think the biggest advance is, like a producer that got? I, my biggest was 17.5. 17.5? Yeah, that was the biggest I got. That's a, isn't, that, isn't, that, isn't that like a common high number, 17.5? It's pretty high for me. The, I would say the, the norm, like the middle thing, when I compare all the together, I'll, it's like, I think it's 10. 10, yeah. So what you got to do to work out to get to that point? Like when can you even ask for the 10K advance? <laughs> I really don't know why I'm getting 10k actually. Really? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm just making sample and I get 10k. It's, it's still crazy for me, you know. I worked at jobs for like 500 dollars for a month, you know. I worked, bro. I had shitty jobs, so 
even even nowadays after you buy all this shit if you see like a number like 10,000 and you know you made that sample like for in 45 minutes it still feels like you're going to rob somebody you know what i mean so so it started the first advance i ever got was like on uh the Wiz Khalifa album Rolling Papers 2 when platinum yay so uh i got don't let me lie i think $2000 and then i got another placement 3000 then it was 1.5 again and somehow it went up because adam told them adam adam told me the same thing that i told you just ask them and sometimes they didn't even said no they said all right 10000 <laughs> i'm like what the fuck you know i don't i don't even know how it happened it's just like about asking if you ask, sometimes sometimes it happens. And after you got like 10K, 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 you can tell the label, man, Palace only takes 10K for advances. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then it became regular to get, get like 10K or more, you know? <laughs> that was crazy, you know? It just happened to be like this because you just I just asked, you know? All right, so let me ask you this. Let's let's flip it. We got shy producers, but then we got producers who... All right, before I even ask you that, let me get the controversial question out. We ask this like, we've been asking this all the interviews. As a sample maker, you do a sample, then you send it off, and then he does the drums. Like, what do you feel the split should be? Um, who placed it? Let's say the drum maker placed it. Seventy thirty. Seventy thirty. Yeah, seventy for the drum maker. Okay. I'm, I'm good fine with that because he really. I was just sitting on my ass and doing it for forty five minutes. He took it to the studio. He played it, and I feel like it's very fair, you know. And you need, be, you need to be realistic. I always tell people if they want to do 50-50, I'm very grateful for that. I tell them thank you for the 50-50 because you made the job. You made it happen. I just made the vibe, you know? Damn, but I wasn't even expecting that. I ain't even going to cut. I'm not against it, bro. I'm not against, I'm not against somebody getting 10 or 15. I just feel like with the audience and the younger producers, anybody who's not really into business, I feel like everybody underestimates what 30% really looks like. 30% of 100,000 or 30% of... 200,000, you know, they're just thinking like crumbs. Like that's the last thing they're gonna ever do. I, I remember when um, me and DJ Durrell made the first thing and he told me he, he wants to do 50-50. I straight up told him, nah, bro, take 60, I take 40. Because it's just a thing of respect. Yeah, you know? you're real, you're real. When, when he made Rex the Skinny with me, I told him, uh, take 60, please. He, he wanted to do 50-50, I'm like, no, I can't. I can't do 50-50 because that's too much respect. <laughs> that's that's fine. So I told them, man, you're the man. Take the 60. You know what I mean? I'm fine with whatever it is. I, it does need to be 50-50. I, when I do 50-50 and somebody plays it, I feel like I gonna I robbed him somehow. Uh, you better have sample makers in the comments like, bro, you don't turn on us, bro. No, no, it's, it's not turning. It's just realistically and being thankful, you know? It's, it's, it's not about, you know, the thing is, it's not about like money and money, you know? You need to be... I think the thing is why I lasted and why I got healthy relationships is because I'm realistic and I'm respectful. And uh, I, f I feel like 50-50, if somebody put in the work and placed it, I'm very grateful to give him more than 50%. Because I really want him to give 50%. All the people, it's, for me, like, it's crazy that Southside always wants to give me 50-50. And he doesn't accept when I sell take more. He really wants to do 50-50. But at Southside, it's just like, Southside and me have like a very healthy and cool relationships together, you know. But when it comes to like DJ Darrell and he 
we just worked because he IG'd me like, yo, send me a sample and I sent him a pack and he placed it. I'm like, bro, I can't take 50-50, take at least 60 so I feel good about it. Mm, solid. So with that being said, do you feel like there's some producers that's, that messes up the business because they, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to say they feel like they owe because whatever you feel like you owe, I mean, that's on yeah. you. Do you feel like producers be fucking up the business a little bit, especially like younger producers who, you know what I'm saying, probably don't know too much? Um, yes, because um, I saw sometimes people are in my DMs and asking me questions about like, you know, when they get the placement, they're super excited and they're from Germany, so I helped them out. And they fucking it up in a sense that taking the first contract. This I think this is the biggest fuck up, taking the first contract. Because you did, it's like... You know, it's like somebody, let's say you're in Turkey and you're on, on the street and you want to buy a fake Louis Vuitton bag and you go to this guy, how much is it? And he's like 50. And it's, it wouldn't be stupid to take it for 50, you know? It's like, nah, bro, 20. And he's like, 30. Nah, bro, 20. All right, 25. All right, let's do it, you know? And producers need to have this mentality of like asking, you know? And they, sometimes they really fuck it up because I feel like if you don't ask, uh, you're going to be less respected because you take whatever and the, the, the bigger producer going to know that it. So he's like, I right, fuck this guy. I know he's going to take whatever we sent him. So next time you get even a shittier one. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's the thing about nah, it. Facts. I feel you. Damn, bro, I ain't going to lie. You flipped the switch, bro. I'm still stuck with the 50-50 part, man. I ain't going to cap. <laughs> well, what's the most common answer on the 50-50 question? They be like 50. I mean, I see a lot of self makers, they get mad. Like, they be like, man, it's, it's 50 50. Like, other producers be like, well, I got it placed, so I need a little bit more. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, everybody, you know, everybody yeah. has their own opinion. This is just my personal one. I don't care what anybody says. It's just like, for me, I will feel bad, you know? So I'm, I'm thankful he did it and he placed it. So 50 uh, 50 isn't, it's too, I take too much. So take at least 60 or 70. Yeah, I feel like being situational, being based out of love is, is different than somebody just coming off straight greed. Like I said, yeah, somebody yeah. might be like, yo, bro, we, we got the samples on a Drake record. And you like, all right, look, bro, they said we could buzz down this, uh, we could buzz down this 20% that's left. And then got and, and then somebody's like, yo, bro, shit, you got it placed and everything. Just 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 give me four. You take 16. But you got some people that be like, I don't care if you got it placed or not, it don't matter. I'm not taking half, I'm not taking half. They just be like, bro, I don't care. Like, and you know what I'm saying? That's just creating animosity and shit. Yeah. I feel like the part when you give out, give the other producer a little bit more than 50, it's like healthy for the relationship, you know? He 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 sees that you respect him. Yeah, I could just say, thanks, man, 50-50, nice, bye, you know? Yeah. But I tell them all the time, they want to go 50-50, like skip on the beat, and like all the people want to go 50-50, but I just respectfully give them more. So that's what so that's what will make the community more healthy if we we're like giving each other more percentages yeah. and like showing more love. Yeah, you that's need really to show weird. them off because you know we over there sitting in Europe on, on our asses and we don't go to the studios. They do all the social connecting. They do the networking. They go to the studio. They play the beat. They choose the beat to play, you know. They're not going to play 100 beats. You play three max and some it's going to get picked, you know. Yeah. So it's crazy because he's picking that one with me. So I'm grateful and respectful and that's why you can have more, mm. you know. So how you feel about like sample makers' intentions? Because I know a lot of times, industry, a lot of industry producers like we interview, they say, but man, like Matt Tazic and uh, President P was basically saying like, bro, you can't email me, you feel me, loops, and be like OPF, little baby loops, 
you don't know nothing about me and demanding like 50 50. I feel like a lot of producers feel like uh, a lot of people's like getting it wrong in the comments. They just think he was attacking them. But basically, like he was saying, like, bro, like, build a relationship with me. Like, ask how I'm doing. Like, they just care about the placement. I don't really know. Is it like wrong to feel that way or like how you feel? Bro? Oh, by the way, uh, I need to tell somebody a gem. So, um, I really hate when you get like the loops on your email and like BCC and you know when you get the BCC, even though they everybody is hidden, make it personal and even make the Dropbox personal. So let's say I'm sending out beats to OZ. I make a whole folder samples for OZ July 2021, for example, for OZ, you know, and send it personally to OZ and normally. So he sees nobody is on the chain and he, it's personal. I write a personal message. I hit him up on iMessage. That's a healthy way. The unhealthy way is like put everybody in BCC and you, you see like the emails uh, hidden and stuff. You know what I mean? That's the unhealthy way. All right. Sorry. I needed to get it. It just, feel, just know, came up with my head. We were just talking about the B, B, uh, BCC shit. Too, yeah. Man. Yeah. It just like, came up in my head. Yeah. So I, sorry. The question again. So like sample makers intentions. Like I see a lot of sample makers just like, I'm going to shoot my shot with this guy, this guy, this guy. And a lot of industry producers feel like, bro, like, you just want me for a placement. Like, I feel like industry producers are starting to feel like they just getting used, bro. It's like, ask me how I'm doing, build a relationship with me. Or, simple makers hate this shit right here. Send me exclusive shit. Like, I don't think, me personally, like, I don't think that's bad to send exclusives. A lot of simple makers be like, bro, I gotta dedicate my time and do this and that. And just me on a personal level, I feel like it's a relationship. Like, yeah, I'll lock in for you and build with you for a little bit. Like, how do you feel like, just like simple makers' intentions? You feel me? I feel like there's a lot of greed involved and a lot of like, People want to get famous really quick. They don't want to do like all the part with the networking and stuff. They want to get straight to like being famous and shit. I need your Buddha. And, uh, oh, sorry. And uh, I, I feel like people think it's easy, you know? And it's not easy because there's a lot of, 90% is probably relationships and networking and 10% is the actual beat making and the sample making. And this is the part they want to cut off. They just want to go straight, you know, and just like get placements. So I feel that that's, industry producers feel like they're getting used. And this is, a, this is something I will never want somebody to feel when, I, when they work with me, you know. So I try to be cool about it, like talk to them, hit them up, have fun with them, some funny shit, sending like memes. Me and Cody, when I go to the chat for me and Cody, it's all memes. You know what I mean? I can pull it up right now. We just send memes all the time, you know? And I think this is the way how, how you do it, how, how you're doing with the, all the relationships, you know? <laughs> Where's the camera? <laughs> you know, he sends me shit like this. <laughs> you know, so I know some random shit. I, I send him a meme of me doing a wave on the bowling thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's me. Oh, uh, here you go. Oh wait! Oh yeah. You know, you know what I mean. Yeah, I I, I break dance for eight years, so yeah, 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 I know that. Sometimes we just send each other memes, but no beats or no loops. You know, it's just love. You know, it's just a healthy way of like interacting with each other, making a person's love and having fun. You know, and music comes next. You know. What would you say to a producer that's like this? They're looking to buy a collab from you or anybody else. They might be trying to buy a collab from a different producer. And their thing is, am I going to get a placement? Before oh, yeah, they pay yeah. the money, they're like, yo, mm -hmm. are, are you going to place this? Like the thing is, with collabs, if people want to buy it from me, I, say, I tell them the 
uh, collab is for educational purposes. Mm -hmm. So it's like you buy a collab from me to get the zip file and see how I ditch it. It's not a, and placement is like, you know, maybe it happens. It happens one in 1000 times that like the collab is going to be chosen for a placement. So when you hit up somebody for collabs, it's more about how he does the sound. Let me find it out. So the money is more for like, a, you know, educational right. money than a placement money. Yeah, that's fine. That's how that I promote sense. my joint. Yeah, like, I, I, is it guaranteed place? I mean, they know, bro. It's not no guaranteed place. Yeah, there's just a small chance, 0.1% chance that it's going to turn out. It's more about like, all right, you want to see how I do this stuff? I'm going to show you for 200 bucks. You know what I mean? Kind of making a way of money, but I stopped doing collabs like a year and a half ago because I, I was, I felt like, um, I felt bad taking $200. So I stopped. Yeah, I felt bad taking $200 from somebody or didn't got the money, so I eventually stopped because I feel like money needs to have a better flow, you know, a better circle. And when you take money from somebody who, who 200 bucks is a lot, I feel like that's bad karma for you. So I try to make my packs cheap and fill them up with a lot of stuff. So anybody spending $25 in my store knows that he's going to get a lot of stuff and a lot of value because sometimes I have like a slatty FLP, how I made the melody, and 10 more, me and 10 more loops and 10 more midis, and this is for $25. I just try to give them a good feeling about it, what they spend on it, you know? Because you can get a pizza or you can get the pack. And when somebody decides for the pack, I want him to feel good about it, you know? Because this is how the way of the money cycle flows and this is how karma is and shit, you know? So let me ask you this, like, you, I can obviously tell, like, you care about the community. It ain't just about the money, you feel me? So, like, just, like, free question, like, how do you feel about the producer community? Like as far as like sample makers and just. Oh, right now it's overloaded and people um, jump on very fast on the trends. Like for, for example, I saw a lot of producers who uh, started doing rage beats because it was popular and stuff, you know, um, there's nothing wrong about it, but I clearly could tell that it's not their favorite thing to do, you know? And I feel like it's bad. It still should, should be like um, creative, you know? And I feel like the creativity is stuck because everybody is jumping on the next wave and trying to do, trying to get as much money as possible. But the thing is, um, at the end of the day, good music will always win. Even though it, right now it looks like we're in a bad place that music wins, I feel like in the next year it's going to get better and better. Especially when they reopen everything up, more sessions, more people see each other, you know what I mean? So um, I feel it's, it's, it's a, a bad it's bad right now, but it's getting better. So this is my honest opinion on it. So for the producers, that's kind of like in a rush to get into that position to have money. Like, what would you suggest for a producer to do to actually make a living wage ASAP instead of having to send loops and like beg others? Like, what do you suggest they do? That's, that's very tricky because I'm grateful that, for that, that it went so smooth with me, you know? People might didn't see the beginning because I started making music uh, when I was 14. I just po I posted like months ago a picture of me when I was 14 in my room with like a TV on the side, a broken uh, desktop PC where the, the side is off, you know. And this is and before I got my first 50 bucks from music, I I made eight years music, and people want to skip the process, but I did music because I love to I love to do music. The first thing that popped in my head when I was sitting at school or something, I want to go get to my desktop and make music. I feel like people nowadays want straight up the, the crazy cash and it just doesn't work, man. You can't, there's, 
you can't make money in the beginning and it's very hard. So I would recommend still be in jobs, still do your thing, college and all this stuff. And then, you know, music as a hobby. And if you see, all right, people are fucking with it. People are fucking with the sound. Or maybe, uh, you know, the guy Artist on Twitter, he's making crazy drum loops. But, and he's the best guy at making drums. He, he found like a space for him to, you know, push himself into the community. Now he's the best drum maker, you know. He makes the best drum kits ever. Like far better than all the other industry producers, artists. Artists, you yeah. know who that is? Uh, put me on A-R-D-I-S-T. I'm going to write it down. Artist, okay. Artist, yeah. And if you find a way where you're very unique, you can always make money. But the thing is, all the people don't want to be unique, you know. They just want to rush to the industry thing and make placements. And yeah, I feel like if you find your way, your unique way, you can always make money. But I can't judge you how to make money because there's thousands of ways of doing it. Music, uh, you know, music play, uh, placements in movies, for example, video games. There's so many ways to make uh, uh, money with like music that I couldn't sit here and say, yo, if you're a new producer, this is the wave, you know, because I would be lying. Anybody can like make good money, but they need to find like a small thing that makes them unique from all the other ones or find a way where to make the money, you know, and like video games or whatever. So, so when you say make it unique, I know a lot of us, a lot of us actually do the same thing. Like people make loops and they make beats. Mm -hmm. And I know like your thing is kind of like being yourself. So would you say being unique? Would you say like being the max version of yourself or being the most useful version of yourself? Like being unique? Because we all do the same thing kind of. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a tricky question. I'm, I always stay true to myself, you know? Even though... I'm rocking around with like a Porsche and like chain and stuff. In my home time, I still go to the same place eating for $3 or like kebab. You know what a kebab is? Kebab, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. And I always stay true. And even in interviews, I just talk my thing, you know, I just stay true. And maybe that's the thing that people like. I, I never like withhold something. I just always say the truth and say how I'm feeling. And it's all—it's also marketing, you know, when, when you have a guy and he's always flexed and stuff, it looks bad, you know. But if you have like the side where you're being honest, I said, I told you 2019, everything that I had on was fake, you know. And I can say that because <laughs> it, is, it was how it is, you know. And I feel like that's a, it's very unique in the producer community right now to be real. Everybody is trying to be somebody. But if Ooh. more people would be real, they would find their way, you know. Ooh. This is how I see it. All right, so I seen you posted like a couple, I don't know, like six, four months ago, and like people was like, they winged it, bro. But they was basically saying, I guess you said you was like, you was tired of, uh, you're not sending out loops no more or something. Uh, basically, like, uh, they don't pick the the fire corporate grant, they just pick the simple stuff. Like, just mm -hmm. like, talk about that more. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's just, uh, just like in this interview that I'm always honest with shit. It just was the moment that, like, in this moment, where I felt like it, you know, so I went live and told the people how I felt. But um, I see why it works, you know. It's simpler to put the 808s on. It's simpler to have a nicer bounce. You can do more with the drums. So in kind of way, I was wrong, but in kind of way, I was right, you know. So it's 50-50 on this one, <laughs> not 60-40. Uh, no <laughs> so um, I was feeling it like this at the time because I was listening to more complex music and uh, not so much to hip-hop music. And yeah, but like, to be honest, now I get it, you know. So I'm, I'm straight back to the, 
two loops, uh, uh, two chord progressions and uh, one chord progressions and sometimes three. So I was hating more at the time and I kind of regretted saying it because after a week I didn't feel like it anymore and I'm like, all right, it's on the internet now, you know. But remember, remember Russ said that the blame was on the producers for the simple music? Yeah, he's kind of right though, you know what I mean? But but if they not if the artists don't want those complex beats, then how is that us? Well, I felt that way yesterday in the uh, what That's you what call it session, bro. Yeah, it's paradox, you know. It's like I don't know, man. I feel like <laughs> this needs to be a bigger conversation with like more producers at one table to discuss this. <laughs> I, I, I could I could not pull it up in my head and some quick you know quickly and tell you how it really is. But I think everybody is kind of right in a sense. But we didn't like figure everybody. Out, yeah, like Russ saying that because yeah. of blame, but the producer, but the rappers are choosing this. You know, so everybody is, everybody got some every 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 everything that he writes or we t- saying has some kind of truth. But yeah, yeah, you know, it's hard to figure it out right now at the table with you two guys and thousand <laughs> cameras. You know, so I don't want to talk some bullshit if I don't really think about it. Yeah, for you. It's well, definitely we're not tolerating out of key 808s, bro. So. <laughs> yeah, out of, out of key 808s. The, how do you feel out, about that? Out of key 808s is um, laziness and um, not having the skill. Yes, sir. And very because um, I respect if you not know the root note in a second, I respect that. Mm-hmm. You, if you're creative with other things, but you have a lot of helping plugins that are out there, you know, like, uh, fuck, there's... Mixed in plugin. key. Mixed in key studio edition. Yep. Yeah, they get it to you. Yes, mixing sir. key and melodyne, so it's more about laziness, or maybe when he did the beat, he was fucked up and on drugs. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's it's very, it's it's more it's not less talent, but it's uh, laziness. It's just pure laziness. I was saying a lot of like producers. I ain't trying to talk shit either, bro. But I was just saying like I feel like some producers. Nah, and that's the problem when people say I'm not trying to talk shit. Then we never get the honest. Alright, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be honest. But I feel feelings. like a lot of niggas, a lot of like industry producers, like I feel, I feel like niggas just forget about. Okay, I don't care how my beat sound no more. If if he's if is not in his head, yeah, that's it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what it is. Yeah, but in the moment you don't wanna. Uh... When everybody's vibing, even though there's an out-of-key 808, just vibe with them. But later on, with the audio engineer, clear it out that you made one, a mistake and maybe later on in the mixing stage, get at least the right thing. Because you don't want to break the vibing in the studio if if records and he's like, oh, this shit's crazy and crazy, you know. Let him, let, him, let him do his thing, let him vibe, and later on, clear it with the engineer. Like, hey, bro, I made a mistake. Let me send you another stem of the right key, you know. Well, not fuck up the vibe you know it's just gonna be right you know so you can always do it later on but at least do it and if you don't do it it's just laziness i'm sorry Bro, palace being a thousand hey, on the, the comments the comment section is gonna be go, going crazy they're gonna be like who y'all talking about yeah <laughs> say today all right so as far as like sample maker community like last question i have is collab loops mm-hmm. that's uh that's one thing i do often um i always try to get uh more pianists and keyboard players because after so many years, uh, I run out, you know, I'm running out, but I'm still in this position to do a lot of stuff, you know. So um, it's cool to have like other people playing the keys sometimes and I do the sound design or I tell them, yo, I want this and this so I can straight up be on a PC, uh, on a laptop and straight get the idea. You know, I'm, I, that's why me and Gumboy work a lot in nowadays because I'm like, bro, can you do it like this? And I stay on a PC and do the sound designing meanwhile and choose the sounds, what I hear in my head. 
And that's a cool way. Um, back then, I played everything by myself. Nowadays, um, it's just cooler and easier and more comfortable to do it uh, this way. So, like, just random like question. So, like, if you had like a band come in or like violin or kid choir come in, mm -hmm. would that be something like you yeah, add them to the split or you just pay them exclusively? Like, here. Um, no, no, no. This is uh, something that Qbeats does. They um, have like an Eastern European, like a lot of uh, really session players, like you know. And they get everything recorded and then sound design it, flip it, make it cool, make it unique. And I think uh, when you go into the credits, they probably pay them by, uh, you know, play those real players, you know, just like $500 or $1,000. But it's cool because you never know, you know what I mean? So they record for an hour and they get like a lot of money for it, you know? And at the end of the day, the risk is on the on Qbeats because they don't know if they're going to place the material, but they already paid for it. So... You can do it this way and you can do it this way. With me and Gumboy, it's like we split it up. I'm, you know, I want him to have a plaque. I want him. But sometimes let's say you have like a 60-year-old violin player. He doesn't give a fuck when he's an Eastern European, you know. They earn like 500 euros a year, uh, a month. So they're cool with that, you know. Go in the studio for an hour, get $500, cool money. So it's however you want to do it, you know. I think at least be fair, you know. Be always fair with the payment. And then that's cool. However you do it. Yeah, I follow it. So, like, what's the max number on a collab loop? Like, the max. Uh, what do you mean the max number on a collab loop? We're seeing, like, we're seeing loops now with, like, four, five producers on it. Like, are you following oh, with it? I'm, I don't care, man. If they're all in the studio together and they're having fun, if there uh -huh. are 10 people on it, who cares? It's just just the, layer, the, the lawyers having more fees and stuff, you know? But, like... Uh, if you're vibing together and you make the beat, who cares at the end? If it's got good product, you know, nobody yeah. cares. Okay. So it's just our, it's just, you know, we, we producers live in a bubble and they fucking up the bubble with like some random shit. Oh, this is a problem. At the end of the day, nobody cares. At the end of the day, a 16 year old white girl after college, she went home and have one headphones in there on the second. She has her boyfriend on, you know, and listens to the music. You think she cares about <laughs> 10 producers on that? You know, yeah, nah. you always need to think who consumes the music. You know what I mean? And I give zero fuck, bro. It's just our hip-hop bubble, Twitter bubble that we live in that cares about it. But out there, nobody cares. Facts. I'll be, I don't be on Twitter no more, bro. Like, I'll be off this shit, bro. It'd be too much. He's like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> don't even talk about it, bro. I'll talk about it, bro. All right, so to switch the subject up, how's, like, what's the what's the environment of, like, 808 Mafia now? Like, what's what's it like working together? Yeah, so um, we tried to rebuild it from scratch now. Uh, we had planned 808 Mafia Europe back then, and it, it got fucked up because of Brock. So right now it's like more of a rebuilding the brand and getting off of everything official, starting a website so we can really tell who's what, who's doing what. And this is the phase right now, cleaning up stuff from Brock and starting a new fresh thing, also with new merchandise and new clothes and stuff. Um, you probably saw some exclusive pieces running around. I can't show them in camera because it's all, you know, demos, you know. And this is the current status. And I don't want to tell more because we have cool things planned, you know. I don't want to reveal them right now. For sure. Is there any, like, uh, artists, like, artist-wise y'all got, like, on the team now? Or just anybody y'all working with heavily? Um, yeah, but um, I would not say anything right now because we're in LA right now and plan everything with Southside, try to make it cool and unique, you know. So, uh, you know, I would love to tell you, but I can't spoil it right now, but we're trying to clean up the mess and then do something cool, you know. 
So who are your like favorite sample makers to work with right now? Outside of 808 Mafia. Outside of 808 Mafia, me and Gumbo are working a lot together. Um, but when it comes to sample maker, I try to not collab that often because uh, I want to have, I, I have a lot of inspiration still and motivation to do it. So uh, sometimes, oh yeah, man, I just sent you some midis, you know, you want to check them. Nah, because I have something in my head, I want to play it now. So it's nothing against those people, like the people who sent me stuff, but it's just like about, uh, I have to, I have the motivation. I have something in my head right now. I want to do it right now. Not click into the email and get the medias out. So it's more about me working alone or me working with Gumbo because he moved to my hometown in Germany. So how did like, your relationship with Gumbo start? Um, it was, um, I think, four years ago. There's there like a German rapper who was on tour and he was DJing for him. I went to the tour. Um, they invited me into backstage, but then they said backstage is full. And he like kind of tried to fix it so i was cool with him and then he moved to la so after that i never saw him just texting and then when i 2019 when i came to la we fucked with each other hard and stuff and back then he found a girlfriend in stuttgart in germany and he was always then he came back to germany and then she kicked him out and i told him like bro wait don't go to the us let me get you a flat right now called some uh, some people and i got him a flat on right on the next day Went with the car to him, packed the stuff, and then now he moves like uh, he uh, is now in my hometown, lives there, and now we're just working together every day, and it's perfect. Where is he from again? Uh, he's from New York. He Damn. was born in New York. So he went and stayed in Germany. Yeah, he's staying in Germany. Yeah, Damn. it's it's uh, the um, the the life better, and I think the social and stuff. Uh, European uh, Europe has a way better living standard than the U.S. by far, like really by far, and. Gamboy was one of the guys that tried to go to Germany and he saw it, the, the living is, and everything is way better. That's why he stayed. It's just not because of me. He just saw it with his own eyes that Germany is better to live in, you know. A better high quality, it's super secure. I can run around with quarter million jewelry and sleep on the sleep at night on the floor and nobody will rob me, you know. I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> no, in smaller Brilliant. towns, yeah, in smaller towns, it's... It is, but not in big towns. You know, Berlin, you will get robbed also, just like yeah. here, you know. But if you go to the villages, shit like this not, never happens. Never. Yeah. You, you need to know if, let's say, somebody get, gets killed in Germany by a gun, you know, somebody gets shot, uh, it's in the news for like two weeks because it's so rare. When you move to Atlanta, bro, trust me. You gonna... I, I know. I, I, I always told Gunboy, if I pull up to the hood in America, I would probably piss myself in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm 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 very respectful about all the people, especially in the black community when they live in the hood, because I know what they're going through with like PTSD and like anxiety. And I saw videos where they stand in the corner, you know, and smoking, just looking around. And I really respect it because I will shit myself in five minutes when I will be in here there and heard one gunshot. So you know. You know, when people tell me those stories and Gambo has a lot of stories of them, uh, you know, I straight up tell him, bro, I'm, I respect the people who do it because, and I hope everybody gets out of it or they get a better situation in the US, you know, because it's really crazy, like with the homicides and stuff, bro, I'm telling mm. you, I will shit myself it's being crazy. there for five minutes and I'm, 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 I'm not capping, bro. You know me. Bro, I'm not that guy, you know. When don't I come to Atlanta then. Huh? Don't come to Atlanta then. We, we can be chilling, cooking out. You can say, bah, bah, bah. You bro, be like, oh. 
But I need to pull up for the food, right? But you hyping it, bro. It's not that bad. I, mean, it's, it, bro, I don't know, bro. bro. I stay, I bro. I stay in Buckhead, bro. Midtown Buckhead. You feel me? And I just be chilling. And I be pop, 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 pop. Like for real. I'm staying in a good area. Yeah. Yeah. Really. yeah. And yeah, and this will be the moment where I will piss my pants. There you go, man. Atlanta, bro. Come on, bro. So let me ask you this: like, for you to like work closely with just certain people, I'm gonna use you for an example. Like, how can producers like? lock in with bigger like prods but like at the same time everybody's like sending a screenshot like here's my loot let me get your email out of it. which is like what's another way like to approach a bigger prod just to work with them uh so approach a bigger producer i mean uh-huh. mm. i think um having a healthy instagram feed is very important i'm gonna give you an example i get like 100 dms every day sometimes when i'm bored especially in bed i check those out you know maybe because maybe someday there's a girl writing me no, I'm joking. <laughs> so, no, I check them out. I click on the producer. I look at the profile. If they have like a, a, a video, on the, you know, like a clip on there with Southside's image and a beat, I immediately go out. But let's say if, they, if I click on the profile and they have a violin playing, I get interested. I'm like, all right, he's really doing that shit. So this is a way because trust me, even if producers are big, they still check your profiles. They check everything, bro. I, I see every DM. I see everybody who's DMing me. I'm just responding if he has a clean profile, looking very interesting, looking that's, if there's something I'm looking for and he has it, I'm going to definitely DM him. You know what mm. I mean? So people, so you saying like producers' digital portfolios need to be real professional. Clean, professional, looking nice, no bullshit in the bio. And um, because we're really checking that shit. I, I saw it with a lot of producers, even huge producers are really checking the DMs, you know, and seeing who who's writing what. That's why I tell producers all the time, bro. Folk be having the like, anime logo on there, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, bro, show your faces. No, no, no. Yeah, show your faces. Who cares, you know, in the producer community, it's not about who's the most beautiful person, right. nice photos, oh, he has a nice girlfriend. Just be real, bro. If you like 300 pounds and do your thing on the violin, man, that's cool, man. Post that shit. Don't be shy. Post it. Show yourself. People want to know who you are, you know? And you're going to get far with, with honesty and like good music and clean profiles, no bullshit. Somebody click one, going to click on it and somebody going to love it. So you talk about the violin. I'm just curious. Like, do you know music theory? Yeah. Do you, what do you advise a producer to like learn music theory or like, you know? When I was at music school, I learned way more in those... I mean, like, everybody knows music theory, if you think about this. Because, like, if you make music for, uh, for especially longer time, even if you don't know, you know it, you know? Mm -hmm. But you know it because what you're doing is music theory in a kind of way, you know? And when I really learned music theory is when I went to music school. But I was there only for four months or five months before I got signed to Adult Mafia. So I'm not a pro because then I immediately stopped, you know, all the things and just did my thing. So I'm not good at it, but I know what to do, you know? So, and I feel you learn music theory if you just make music. That's fair. Do you feel like you should know, like, other, like, listen to other music besides, like, trap? Like, put us on some genres you're listening to. Uh, I want to... <laughs> uh, so what it is with my Spotify, if, you, if we, we go, on, go on it right now, let's take Spotify because I have the biggest, uh, like, tracks, but I... I have no subscription anymore because I go to Apple Music, so the producers get paid more. <laughs> Shoutouts to Apple Music and Tidal. 
to giving us our money. Title do I think title pay the most? And sure. so we I got I have drum and bass here. I have Japanese music. I have German music. I have UK garage dubstep, 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 pendulum, drum and bass again. Then we have the Drake things. Then Seven Lions. It's like drum. Uh, it's like dubstep again. So I just listen everything. And I think this is where I get the inspiration from because if I hear a hip-hop track that's like, let's say, push, uh, Pushing P right now, okay? Mm -hmm. It's a great melody, but then you go into the studio and try to make something in this way. But when you listen to like rock music, you can't replicate it in the studio, you know? You need to have a band. So it clears my mind. It makes it refreshing. And I'm going to the studio after I heard rock bands in the car, and I'm like, all right, I can't repl re replicate it, you know? So I go fresh with a fresh mind in like in the studio. How would you like describe your samples right now? My samples, uh, I would say it's like, uh, it's very movie scoring like, Hans Zimmer type of things and um, with a touch of trance music. And I love ops. I'm using a lot of ops right now in the last couple of weeks. A lot of strings, ops, making like, it, it starts like, it sounds like film music at the beginning and then I add the electro electronic elements to it. So I, I just play around, you know? In two weeks, if you ask me this question in two weeks, I'm going to describe it differently because it's always switching up. You be fucking around like guitar pedals? This is what I meant in the 2019 interview with the secret uh, Ditune sauce. It was just guitar pedals. That was the sauce? That was the sauce back then. The guitar yeah. pedal? Yeah. I ain't gonna count, bro. Uh, this, this is how I got into this shit. It was during the summertime. I was watching this, this YouTuber. I don't know. It was like, like the 1K thousand subscribers, like if they got 1,000 subscribers, they're sauced out. Yeah. Uh, I'm watching and I see this dude named XY Nothing cooking up a sample. And he did this shit with this uh, piano. He did this shit with this sound wave. I'm like, what the fuck that is? Right, so I'm, I hit him up like, what that is? He said, it's a thermae. I ain't, I ain't know what it was. Nah. I just knew how to spell it. I went on reverb, brought it. And then I brought this other guitar pedal. I brought a profit. Then I brought a tape machine. And this is like, Damn. Yeah, then, this is how it starts. Yeah. Hell yeah, yeah. bro. Hell yeah, bro. Crazy. So this guitar battles was a sauce back then. That's what yeah, you were talking about. That was the sauce back then, yeah. Yeah. It's fucked up now. And now you're like, damn, bro, they don't fuck No, no, it's just like you're used to the sound now, so you try to do different stuff, you know? You feel like that shit get I don't feel like guitar, I don't feel like the analog gear and just like the, the gear, I don't think it, you think it get played out? No, never, because um it's living, you know? The guitar the the, the analog things are living. It's just like the the it's hard for me in English to describe, but the panels go with electricity and every time you turn it on, even if you have the preset safe, the reverb, let's say a lexicon, for example, every day, every day you're going to turn it on, it's going to sound a little bit different because how the electricity goes there and all that gets, the electricity wires are getting more bad and destroyed and then you have a special sound. So it's living, you know, it's living. So for me, it's like really living and every day you turn it on, it's magic, you know? So I really like that. So I ain't looking for no sauce or anything. Like, you don't have to like, okay, like think of like some, you know what I'm saying? But like, what's your like weirdest, what was your like weirdest like sample process at one time? Um, one time um, I had like the audio track going to um, a very old program. It's just for the Windows XP back then. You need to run it with compatibility motors. It's called Power Stretch. So you can stretch the sound. Uh, uh, let's say it's one minute. You can stretch it to 1,000 minutes. And then I cut the pieces up, chopped it up, and it was then a bigger pad, and I put reverb on it, analog reverb. And this was a very long process of three hours, just me experimenting with shit, and there's a cool way. Uh -uh. I go, Cal, we did a Nick Dean joint. He was talking about, um, 
Uh, he had a proper rev too, and he just took a whole bunch of different takes without listening to it, exported in one, and just chop it in fruity slices. I tried yeah, that's cool. That's very cool. I mean, you need to be creative, you know, and uh, sometimes um, you need to open up FS Studio and go in with the intention to not finish a sample, just uh, fuck around with it. And um, sometimes I'll open it up and know, okay, today is a fucking around day, you know, and I just try everything, you know, slice it here, slice it there, re reverse here, put it in analog gear, put it in power stretch, chop it up, free slicer. And this is how you always keep the fun, you know, and get away with beat block. Because when you have beat block, just, then just open up and try to make the weirdest shit. I feel that, I feel that. So like, what's your, what's your time limit on samples? Like, are you like, I need to knock this out in 45 minutes, or you're like, you'll spend like three hours on the sample? Um, nowadays, um, uh, I think uh, if we take 100 samples that I made and compare the time, the middle thing would be between 35 and 40 minutes. Okay, that's pretty And quick. it's not about the time limit in my head. It's just about um, this is how it takes, no? So when you're cooking, are you going like quality or you going quantity? Like you going, you, you cook no, hella beats? No, I, I don't have this feeling in my head. I'm just doing it. I have fun and I do it. I export it. I don't care. Quality, quantity. Yeah. I just know when 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 the inner feeling says it's finished, it sounds good. I just export it. Nothing with like stress or stuff like this. Mm, facts. So the subject, subject, like, let's talk about kits a little bit. Are you fucking with like one shot kits a lot? What one shot? What? No, I don't like it because um, the quality. Um, it's in my opinion, it's always a low, you know, lower. And I feel like uh, if they if they bounce it on the C five, you know. You don't have the range because how uh, other ROM plus like Nexus are made is like they exported the sample like at C5, then at D sharp again, you know? So you have a whole bigger range and the quality doesn't get lost. And this is very important because if I have a lot of processing and you already have starting with something that where the quality is lost, you're going to end up with a very bad quality in the end, you know? So that's why I'm starting with Spitfire sounds mostly, Spitfire contact libraries. It's the highest quality recorded shit. And if I do a lot of processing, I know at the end of the day, it's not that bad, not that fucked up, you know, quality wise. Um, I never used it really. I don't like it that much. I know all those new Prodigy producers, sample makers use it, but um, I just personally don't like it. Nothing against it, but I don't like it. Spitfire Audio Lab. Spitfire, that's fine. Right. Dumb expensive. It's fine. This is dumb expensive. You um, fucking with like Falcon? You heard of Falcon? Falcon, I heard it. I don't like it. I tried it. You don't like it's it. not my. It's, it, I just use Serum. Is that like UVI serum? shit? Well, that, that's UVI, what that's UVI, yeah. Yeah, yeah UVI. Serum. serum, yeah. Serum is better. It's probably one of the best synthesizers, but uh, sometimes I still use uh, Silent too. Because I grew up when I made music in 2014. Silent? Fifth, silent, yeah. Damn, I ain't heard of that in like. Yeah, eight, yeah, yeah because years, when man. I started back then making EDM music, I used Silent, so I'm very well known with the program and if I need something like if I have something in my head I can replicate it faster and sound design faster and silent because I use this for so many years it's like the oldest VST what, the oldest one uh, to this day either purity like purity or like hypersonic or something like no alchemy alchemy like yeah alchemy <laughs> Like, they got this free joint called like Orchestra or some shit. Orchestra? Yeah. But it's on the E? Oh, no, no, you can't even um, buy it. Like, you got to go to this other site to get it. No, just talking about. What's, what's the oldest VST that you, that you use 
from back then. You named Silent. That's uh, like massive, OG. massive and Silent probably. Massive. Well, I ain't heard that shit in a minute, bro. That's, that's, like native that's native instruments. Yeah, native instruments are massive, yeah. Yeah. I made uh, the bass lines of uh, my dubstep songs back then with massive. So I'm very familiar with the sound designing there. And it's still very high quality. The oscillators and shit. It's pretty cool. I see you had a platform called Unoya. Yeah. So that's like your kid's store? Um, no, that's not my kid's store. It's just my friend mm-hmm. um, from the same hometown. It's just one of my best friends. Like... I have four friends, maybe, you know, and mm. they're very close. It's Gumbo and me, Max, always, and my manager, Oli. And uh, he's just always coming with us. He's also here. Um, he's probably smoking a fat blunt right now <laughs> in the cinema. Oh, you know uh, he's a person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh. one guy called Max, and he's doing the vlogs and and all the stuff, you know? Mm. I see y'all was doing vlogs on y'all channel. I ha- I ain't gonna count. I haven't watched them yet, but like y'all got hella. I like like finding the YouTube channel and then seeing like hella vlogs. You can just been watch all them yeah. shit. Really. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. It's cool. It's cool stuff. You know, funny stuff. Um, not that educational. It's just more about having fun, seeing us together, seeing the real us. You know, and yeah, you can watch it someday. It's cool content probably, and I I never watch it too because. I lived in it, you know, so it's, I just watch and see, ah, oh, okay, cool memories, you know. You be watching, like, any, like, producer content, like, anything? Um, CLI Wu, always, when he when he uh, uploads the live streams, I like watching it because I'm not that often on the phone. You see it, I, I'm not that Instagram post, you know, I don't post so many stuff on Instagram. So it's cool that he has an archive of all this shit, you know, he's cool. Mm. Uh, don't be watching like, any other like producer vlogs or like producer tutorials and then mm, not really I'm, I'm 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 at this point where I say okay I'm very good at what I make and it works so sometimes when I need to find some shit I watch like EDM tutorials and try to get it done like in a sample making hip hop process you know I need to get into like I won't say get into EDM, but like watch like EDM tutorials. Yeah, that's very cool because uh, you can take stuff out that nobody would ever show you in like a trap tutorial, you know? I just started watching like Ableton tutorials, bro. Ableton? Yeah. I like, like, I like the sound out of there. I see a lot of like sample makers like yeah. cooking up in Ableton now. You ever tried it? Um, I, I started with Ableton. Oh, for real? Yeah. That's lit. I started with Ableton when I started making music. What you prefer, FL Ableton? Um, FL Studio, of course, because I switched over there. Uh, Ableton is cool if you make techno music and like, you know, 4-beat, four four you know, like disco and shit. It's cooler, I think. Uh, I don't know, bro. I played it. You played around with Ableton, bro? Yeah. You played around with Ableton? I always do collabs yeah, you, with you. You know what, what it is? If you want to switch doors, it's just about creativity because sometimes you get inspiration if you open a new program, you go with a fresher mind in it, you know? That's why... Sometimes you download a new door and you're like, all right, bro, this is crazy. But it's just your mind getting cleared out, you know, and seeing something different for the first time after so many years. But at the end of the day, the first, I think FS Studio is like really where it's the best at right now. They said they're coming out with 22. What, FS Studio? 22? Uh, oh, bro, tell me. How you feel about all them updates and shit? You stuck on 11 and 12? Um, I go, if I need to make beat packs and I have the melodies finished, I go to FS Studio 10, and if I just regular every day, then it's FS Studio, the newest version. What's the difference between the 10 and the newest version? Um, the, uh, the, pro- the processing, when you bounce it, and especially the older soft clippers and stuff, 
it seems like it's more distorted and it hits more. And this is something I saw OZ doing. And then I researched it, you know, I made my own research and bounced some beats, like made some beats in FL Studio 20, like in the newest version and 10. And I liked the dirtier sound of FL Studio 10. Whoa. Never heard that they before. say the audio interface, like the the, the engine. Of yeah, yeah, that's the engine. Yeah. Uh, okay. So like, switch it up, like financial. Like, are you? I don't know too much about it. Like, are you into like crypto NFT and stuff? Yeah, I made millions out of it, probably. Damn. Um, talk about that a little bit. I ain't hip on none of that um, shit, bro. I I will not go too far into it because of um, you know I I don't want it to be public. Um, but me and Gabo. Some things are online. We made an NFT drop. We sold out um, 650,000 in like under two hours. But then the, the flipping parts and stuff, you need to know that me and Gumboy are doing crypto since Eve was at like $200. So um, I made um, a lot of money with it. All right, so this is all I'm going to ask about it, bro. Like, is it, is it still like the wave now? Like if I want to get into that shit today and did all my research. Yeah, it's just way harder. Back then, it was the wild, wild west. So you can, you could lose it all, or you could make millions. And I was fortunate enough to put the right bets on, and yeah, we made very good money. And I don't recommend making money from other things because it gets makes you lazy at music. I always said to my dad and my mom, the worst thing that could happen to me is winning the lottery, and I think I would uh, do suicide after a year or two because the, my life wouldn't have meaning, you know. I mean, it's, it's, it's deep. deep. Yeah, meaning because like um, it's cool. You wake up, you grind, you have to hustle. If you have unlimited money on your bank account, it's it's you know it's not about the money. It's just like you're getting lazy. You don't have desires and like the passion for stuff anymore. You wake up and can buy twenty Lamborghinis if you want. Then you like I think in the, in, in one or two years you get burned out. In Germany, when you win the lottery. The lottery company will um, also give you a, psycho uh, a psychologist also with the winning. So yes, you can yeah. talk to them, you know. And I feel like if I would win it, I would probably kill myself in one or two years on some cocaine party in, in somewhere, <laughs> you know. You, but you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. It's just like, uh, it's, it's, I think it's not good for you, you know. And I feel like crypto was in 2019 20 i hit very big and then i had like three or four months where i didn't do really anything really you know just maybe per week three samples and i feel like it's a blessing and a curse um but after years you and you know you face reality again and see okay yeah. money isn't everything you see it kind of like as a, as a phase you know what i'm saying because money is just it's a tool, you know what I'm saying? Because life goes on every day. You can solve new problems. The more money you get, you can play big, bigger boy games. You know what I'm saying? Playing different yeah. games, but you know what I'm saying? So I got this producer question. Um, I mean, it relates to this topic. So he said, uh, what does he suggest for a producer wanting to make a regular living uh, wage, first steps to consistent uh, living wage? And then he followed, he said, since he keeps busy with a lot of projects, what does he outsource versus what does he have to handle himself? Um, I mean, we almost, uh, we got the topic right in the beginning, kind of. Yeah, that first one? Yeah, yeah, so um, I don't know what to add The other to one it. was, uh, what do you, you talked about the first one, the other one was, what do you outsource? The things that- What is outsourcing? I need to- I What need is to outsourcing? Get, yeah, yeah, I need to get like, this explained. It means that 
instead of you doing the work, you find a third party or your yeah, homie yeah. to so, handle it. Um, my manager, um, Oli, he is from the same hometown as me. And this motherfucker got rich with 18 and he's 45 now. So he got a millionaire very quickly and he built business and relationships. And somehow I always kept friends with him. Four years ago, we met up in a crazy way situation and we always been like close to each other. And then one day I told him because this guy was in almost doing nothing anymore because he got so rich. I'm like, bro, please help me with some stuff. I need help here. And in a kind of way, I helped him to get, get his old self back because he was just chilling after so many years. And now he's like here with us in LA and he's, he got all the contacts to everybody, getting brand deals, Adidas, Puma and all the stuff. And we're doing big, big stuff, crazy shit. And I think it's just about finding the right circle. And if you're if the right, in the right circle, then don't let anybody in, in you know, because if the circle is good, you're going to make it. And, but if the circle is good and you make money and you let somebody in, he can destroy everything, you know? So keep it very tight and close and find the right people, trust in them. And if it works, it's going to work big. How do, you, how do you respect yourself when it comes to that? Like being with people that's on the same frequency, you know, I feel like a lot of times we uh, misjudge it. We find somebody that's on the same frequency on something that's not really helping us. And we think that it's cool for us to be around them and waste time around, mm -hmm. around them. But how do you really evaluate that? Yeah, you need, you need to cut something like this off. It might hurt him or you or you feel bad for a short per period of time. But I remember back then I was one of the very popular kids in the home village. So I had 20 friends. We were running around gang for life, you know. We're going to live uh, together in a big house. You know, this was my thing. And, and now I, <laughs> half of them got me blocked. I don't talk to anybody again, you know. It's like... Uh, uh, I feel like life is always like a balance, you know? If you take something away from here, then like it moves down, then you need to take, take something from here. So you can't have all the, all the things at once, you know? It's always cutting something off and so, like some door, some door closes, some door opens, you know? That's the thing. It's like a critical thinking conversation, man. I'm so mental and shit, man. ain't even gonna cut, man. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, we got the cameras here. I know, mm -hmm. yeah, so let's talk about that. Yeah, so... um. I, it was six months ago, um, German television pulled up and they did like a 50-minute thing or 20-minute uh, thing that went on German television about like loop making and how I made it from a small village to the U.S. And uh, this company called Tobi's Film, it's like a legendary company, a film studio in Germany. They saw it and they said, yo, you need to come to Berlin, like straight up. We got a ticket, we flew to Berlin, me and my manager, we sat down with the producers and the company owners and stuff. And he's like, I saw the story. I want to do it. I'm like, do what? He's like, I want to do a show. You know? <laughs> and this happened like three months ago and now we're, we're actually filming it already. So what it's going to be, it's like, um, they're taking the life story, you know, adding some things, spicing it up. And they, I'm like, I can't say right now all the things if it's going to be Netflix or Amazon or HBO but it's going to be a show like right now it's planned six episodes all with actors. So somebody can going to play me, going to play palace. And, uh, for the bonus material, we have like a standalone documentary that we're shooting right now here for the show. So we're going to have the, the show and we're going to have the real life. And this is what we're doing right now. And 
it's very exciting. It's bigger than I thought it's gonna be. Like it's on, on some huge budget type shit. Like uh, we have very good producers. We have one of the best producers in the whole Germany, and it's gonna be big. And I can't reveal too much because they're gonna get me killed. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, sure so, night. yeah, that's the thing. And this is this, this is the thing. What I'm saying is like you need to find like different type of sources and stuff, you know, and. Uh, Probably the deal deals like this are like bigger than getting like you know a, a diamond record probably. Literally, yeah. I don't think I don't think people really understand how serious his career is right now. You feel me? As far as like the people, the team around him, you know, what I'm saying all these cameras around, like it's it's different. Yeah, you know, so it's not. Yeah, and no, that's the thing. I'm not uh, I'm not posing that much on IG. Right. And it doesn't mean to me that lot. But I'm doing all the shit off camera and doing my stuff and. Trying to uh, fill up the bank account to have many kids, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. To start a family and shit. Yeah. So before, like, uh, we wrap it up with producer questions uh, from IG, I was just curious, like, how do you deal with like mental health? Mm -hmm. When when I came back from uh, LA the last time, um, I had uh, I started to getting uh, I started getting panic attacks at home, and at first it was super scary because I thought I'm gonna die or some shit, you know. And um, it was just overworking myself and getting in stressful situations or in situations I've never been before. The real cure to that was um, knowing how the body works. After I knew, after I went to a guy and to a doctor and he told me, bro, that's just adrenaline rushing to your body and it's not going to kill you, you're going to be fine. Because I'm a guy that needs explanation on some physical shit. You know, I, I want to see the paperwork. You know, I want to see papers, how this works with my body. After I got it, it went away. Because I'm like, all right. I was, first, when it started, I was, I'm like, oh, bro, I'm going to die. I felt every day I'm going to die. It happened every two hours. Yeah. And um, then I started enjoying it. I'm like, all right, let it come. Let's see what it's going to do now, you know? Yeah. So this was my way of beating it. I I didn't want it to take like pills because I'm scared it's going to, change me who I am so I'm very scared of that and the way for me to cure it uh, was like um, just knowing what it does in my body after you know what it does in your body it feels less scary because you definitely know you're not gonna die and with mental health it's crazy because everybody sits on their ass in their dark room all day no vitamin D no sport just sitting around creative work and then fucking yourself up because you think, oh my God, this guy tweeted he made 100 beats in the last week. I just did three. Oh my God, I'm so dumb. I'm not good enough. You know what I mean? You just, and that's the thing with social media. The more you go on it, the more it fucks with you. That, that's why I don't like social media. I just like living in the world, you know? I ain't gonna Thanks. count, bro. I had to, I had to like, have a conversation with myself and like be like, bro, we going through mental health shit, bro. Okay. Sitting in the fucking crib, yeah, bro. Sure. You feel me? Then you go on Instagram and you see this guy winning, this guy winning. This is like, bro, what am I doing, bro? Yeah, yeah. No, that's the thing. It's like 90% that you see out there is just fake, you know? It's mm -hmm. like people trying to feel better with themselves, you know? And um, you need to difference who you follow and stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I feel like it's... it's it, 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 really, if you... <laughs> it, I really think sometimes it's healthier to just load up uh, Instagram and just follow... 500 strippers than it is to follow 500 producers. <laughs> I swear to God, at least but you're gonna see, at least you're gonna see some ass, you know. <laughs> I feel like it's, with it's, the producers you see every day some bullshit takes that everybody's capping about. Yeah, that's real. I feel like you should definitely. 
I had to restart my Instagram and shit. And I feel like a lot of people ask me, bro, follow me back. You know me. And I'm like, I'm only trying to follow value. You know, no disrespect. I'm trying to, it's good to follow people that in, in a position you want to be in, or it's just really adding value to your life. If you follow somebody and it's negative, that shit gets embedded in your head. And you, you can create like some type of fake ass jealousy. You don't even know it's real. So just follow accounts that promote doing good business, that promote positivity, affirmations. Like it's like you kind of like, Programming your mind with the social media, you feel me? But just don't follow the fuckery because yeah, that's program yourself with that. So just follow the people that's gonna take you through that path that you want to be on. You know what I'm saying? You can curve it that way because some people stuck to the phone. You know what I'm saying? Like they always gonna go in there. So if you're gonna be addicted to your phone, at least let that mm-hmm. take you to a positive place. You know what I'm saying? And so to wrap it up, I got these producer questions. I go last a lot. I'm gonna just swear through some random ones real quick. Uh, it's really basic. It could be on anything for real. Um, this is a question by Trixel. He said, "What would you tell your younger self?" Um, no matter how like big the artist is or something, or like it's a general thing that I learned just through life. Um, it's easier explained with um. Girls, I think it's easy to explain with girls. So back then, let's say um, I was 18 and there was like this hot chick, super hot, like 10 out of 10 chick that is 18. I, I, I never had to, you know, I never approached her because in my mind she was like so far away from me. And with life, you know, you see that everybody's just human, you know, the baddest 10 out of 10 girl is still human. Yes. You know what I mean? And big artists like Offset and Juice World, all those people that I met are still fucking human. We struggle with the same shit. We're all the same, kind of in a way. You know what I mean? And this is something I, for me, it was as a kid, I was so blinded and I'm like, oh my God, those people are so far away from me. Bro, at the end of the day, <laughs> they just so normal, bro. Trust me, they so normal. They like to sit down, get their ass on the couch, turn on the PlayStation and just chill out, you know? They're like, going out with the boys, doing dumb shit, I don't know, you know what I mean? And this is something I didn't know back then. For me, everything, everybody was so out of reach, you know? And this is something that you just learn with life experience. And sometimes, even though I say it and somebody's going to listen to it, on the next day, you're going to wake up and still think it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is something that you just can learn with life experience, I think. But if I'm telling you right now, trust me, this is real. Like all the big artists are just normal, cool people. Okay, you pull up to Atlanta, you're going to go to the mall, you're going to see everybody. Yeah. you like, damn, hey, what up, bro? Yeah, super cool people most of the time, you know? Mm-hmm. What would you say to a producer that's watching, that's like, you know what I'm saying, inspired by you, want to work with you, like, any last comments, like, what would you say? I would say, um, focus on yourself, you know? Um, ask questions, never say no, it, like, never take the first thing, um, treat producers like real humans because we are real humans to just not use them as like you know be grateful for everything even if your homie got you a placement that made you 50 bucks be super grateful treat people like like people you know like treat them like real people not just like somebody that you can use for a placement or something be honest um always tell the truth on some shit don't be like fake flexing or something you know and sometimes you need to know you're wrong, you know? Sometimes there's people out there that are right, and sometimes you need to take the L and say, all right, I'm wrong. And 
you know, just you know, just be out there living, you know. Don't be so stuck, uh, focused. Go out, network with people, even though it's hard because of Corona. But uh, yeah, man, and just enjoy life. Whatever we can do, we're gonna do, you know. Hell yeah, that's, that's fire, bro. Stay positive. You know what I'm saying? Shit, that's a route. I ain't really got nothing else to say, bro. I ain't gonna lie. At the beginning, bro, we got it straight into it on the juicy stuff, man. But I appreciate you for tapping in with us, bro. If you for come sure, to man. Atlanta, always. If you come to Atlanta, shit, tap in with us. 100%. That's cow. He's like, I'm never coming to Atlanta. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Nah, I want to come. I swear to God, just because of the food, I will come. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. For hey, sure. Yeah. All right, let's do it. But with that being right. said, it's a wrap, man. Another episode of the podcast. Peace out. Make sure you check out the new producer grind high class drum kit. This drum kit comes with no recycled sounds. I'm talking about clear, crispy quality drum sounds. It also comes with a $25 gift card. And then on top of that, it comes with an advanced drum mixing course. Want to know how to improve your drum bounce? If you want to know how to improve your drum mixing, or if you just want to overall make your drums hit, so make sure you go check that out.